Hello, and welcome to the Balanced Garden Podcast. I'm your host, Tiger Lily Raphael, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in to our very first episode. It's a busy, noisy world out there, and with so many things fighting for your very precious attention, it is much appreciated. So what's it all about? What is Balanced Garden? Well, in a minute, I'll be discussing the ideas behind the podcast with its co-producer and Balance Gardens founder, Jasmine Pradhan. But to set the scene, first I'll explain why we've launched the podcast today and what this episode is all about. So today is the equinox, which translates from Latin as equal night. And at 2.30pm GMT, the Earth will tilt at a right angle to the sun as it crosses the equator. So it's one of two days a year that we have the same length of day as night and that the southern and northern hemispheres get almost exactly the same amount of light and darkness as one another. It's the official astronomical start of the autumn in the north and the spring in the south. And it's the start of the Balanced Garden podcast. During this episode, we'll be talking about the special time of the year, uh, what's happening inside and outside. But first, here's Jasmine and I reflecting on how we got here and where we hope to take you with this brand new podcast. Tell me, Jasmine, what do the words balance and garden mean to you? So for me, the words balance and garden conjure up these ideas of growth, evolution and generative energy that is simultaneously grounded and planted firmly into the earth. So the inspiration for the for the words balance garden, the name really came from my yoga practice. And anyone who practices yoga or actually any other physical discipline will know that a balanced shape that we make with our body is never static or still. And there are just these constant minuscule readjustments, renegotiations, shifts and responses in our bodies to stay in the balance. And I guess that's really the feeling behind the name that life is ever shifting, ever evolving. And really it's about it's about finding that sense of poise amongst it all while constantly adjusting and being open to change. Part of the the reason of wanting to really involve move some sense of movement in the name is that traditional disciplines of kind of meditation and yoga really are trying to head towards stillness. And I think in that stillness, we we lose the generative, creative, collaborative magic that life is really infused by. So yeah, part of that name of Balance Garden is that this is a living entity it's not Mm. we're not trying to become nothing and still yeah I think there can be a bit of the the culture we live in in terms of seeking like an an end like like exactly like you've done it you've achieved it you're there you're mindful you're complete you're happy like that isn't really how life works and that's exactly it that's the idea behind the name is that it doesn't you don't reach an end goal you're never done Mm. yeah yeah and I think once we frame ourselves in that way as humans of like we're working towards this goal we sort of start feel like we start missing things like we're not actually present in in the moment in our surroundings 
because we're so focused on what it is we're trying to like get to I know there's a big the, the cliche is you know it's all about the journey not the ending but essentially that <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah we become sort of uh, tunnel visioned and then we stop participating in in the things that happen on the way you started Balanced Garden as a sort of yoga teaching platform is that right So it wasn't um, solely for yoga, but it was the platform was definitely born out of a love and a real belief in the well living practices that I have seen um, over my career as a yoga and meditation teacher that really do enhance people's connection to themselves, to each other and to the world around them. And obviously, Tiger Lily, you have been writing for Balance Garden for a while now and really helping to to shape this this new direction that we're headed in. And you suggested a podcast. So maybe you can speak into why you decided to do that and yeah, where we're headed over over the, the next few months and years. Yeah. Um I started writing a piece called Sanctuary in the City for for the blog. Um which I think I started in January. So I think the first one I wrote was about January blues, but um, obviously things have changed a lot. And um, when we first talked about making a podcast, uh, we were on top of the Himalayas uh, in Nepal um, on your yoga trek, uh, which was probably one of the best experiences in my life so far (laughs) um I don't think we really we wouldn't really talk about it again um and I handed in my notice for my job at the end of February for the middle of April which was brilliant timing um (laughs) and I had planned to go back to freelance event production at the festivals which is what I've done for years and years um everything got cancelled and I couldn't go anywhere in the end. Um, and fortunately, after working in the music industry for over 10 years, I was ready for something new um, and just kind of didn't know where or how to start because it's very easy to just keep doing the thing that you've always done, um, even if you want a new direction. But then lockdown and and the crisis kind of forced me to take that new turn and that was when you put the feelers out for ideas of like where to take Balanced Garden next Um, and at the same time a couple of other great people had been asking me to write about regenerative agriculture which I was finding really inspiring and interesting and at that point I kind of started to see all these uh, a synergy between mm. like my different values which also had appeared quite separate um, but actually I started to see how they all connected up um, I guess because we were in a health crisis um, in lots of ways the big picture of health started to become clear so I started to think how as a producer and a writer I could bring this all together and um, we talked about the podcast being about the meeting point between physical and mental health originally didn't we but then after such a kind of revolutionary summer and spending a couple of months uh, well about four months living in a couple of different gardens 
um, <laughs> and having a lot of time to think and look at plants. Um, we just felt really clear about our shared purpose to create, a, I don't know, an opportunity for bonding and understanding all these separate parts of ourselves and yeah maybe you can also talk into a little bit about how we're going to do that (laughs) how we're going to provide these opportunities well each podcast it's about what's happening in the world outside and how we might find ourselves relating to that individually and collectively so part one is a bit like spring it's sort of the beginning. We're going to ask, be asking a question. This time, the question is, what was the podcast? <laughs> um, <laughs> and the podcast has arrived at autumn at Equinox because that's a time of reflection, and that's what the podcast essentially is. Um, and part two is like summer, the action, like when we explore what's actually happening at this time out there so we'll have a chat with someone somewhere about their life um i think we're just staying in the uk for this series which runs till new year's eve by the way um we'll uh, find out what they're doing how they feel about it what they're eating maybe they'll have a recipe for us um which we'll publish on the blog part three will reflect on like the the traditions at that time of year um that people are sharing all over the world so we can look at what culture is showing us about nature cycles and vice versa and um, part four is the end like winter when we'll sort of cozy up have a little reading maybe take it all in that's the plan so this week for our very first episode you are talking to someone aren't you next so I am going to be talking to, or I have spoken to already actually, Tom Metier, who is an organic farmer uh, based in the UK, based in Dorset. And we're going to talk a little bit about the land and his relationship to the land um, coming up in part two. And is he, is he a relation of yours, Jasmine? Yeah, he's my uncle. So he's he's my mum's brother. So that's really great to have him as this amazing source of inspiration and knowledge all the way through my childhood actually he's incredibly passionate about um yeah integrated farming methods and uh, he's really instilled an interest and a passion in me as well the bees are all going completely bonkers on all the late flowers <laughs> At this time of year, the ivy starts to flower in September, and that's the bees' kind of last chance to make their their honey. So Tom Metier farms the 30 acres of organic land at Haddon Cops Farm and is passionate about the organic food the farm produces. For many years, Tom has also worked for Neil's Yard Remedies and has extensive knowledge of medicinal and native plants. He has a deep belief that by connecting to our food and our medicine, we can create a healthier self and a healthier planet. So hello, Tom. Welcome. Hello. So I'm just wondering, how is the land at the farm looking right now? At this time of the autumn equinox, is it right to say that the harvest is winding down? Um, Well, 
the land is actually looking incredibly verdant. It's actually probably at its most beautiful in some ways for the whole year. Um, the spring is a time when the grass grows incredibly fast and we're, we're thinking about harvesting hay. But when you come into September, the beginning of September and into October, you're thinking about the second flush of grass that you're going to get. Because mm. during the very hot summer months, we don't really grow very much grass. It's too hot to grow. So for us, it's a really exciting time where you know you're going to get some beautiful grass growth. And because we're a grass farm, essentially, that's what we our crop is grass for our animals to eat. Um, that's actually a really exciting time. So although for many people, the autumn equinox is a time when they would have got their harvest in because they're growing wheat or barley or oats or corn. For us, it's actually a time when we're having a regrowth uh, of grass, but also because we have apples and we're orchards people, um, we have, this is our big glut. This is our time of sort of plenty. This is the time when we sort of reap the reward of all the hard work of sort of pruning and looking after our trees and, um, and, and, and the blossom that arrived in April and May is now realised in the fruit of the autumn. We're seeing rose hips absolutely stunning. The hawthorn berries are at their absolute apogee right now. And all those things, the crab apples and the crab apple walk, all those things are getting ready for um, the feasting of birds and us to mm -hmm. kind of preserve those things and to um, those fruits and to um, get ready for the sort of the, the colder mm. parts of winter. So a time of real abundance then? A real time of abundance. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a sense that the season is changing and that the, and the, the land is winding down, if that makes so sense. That, yeah, that leads me on to my next question, which is what does this time of year really evoke for you? Like, How do you feel at the end of summer as we transition into autumn? It's a very special time because you watch nature start to respond um, and you're listening for different sounds and you know there's the high summer is all about um, warmth and growth and, and and getting ready in a way for this time which is when we do our harvest so I love the summer I love the heat but I also really enjoy this time when the evenings are still just about light enough and warm enough and there's that transition from, from that heat of summer into the coolness of the autumn. I actually really enjoy that. So, and the light, uh, the light is just staggering. It's staggering in the morning and uh, the evening light is also really, really special. So I think I actually enjoy it almost more than the summer light, which is quite stark and quite harsh quite often. This is very subtle and the colours of the sky and the reflection it of the of the of the setting sun on the sky can be really mind-bogglingly beautiful oh that's lovely and um, yeah I was going to ask you so you know what like you're mentioning the light yeah. what is nature showing us at this time that if we could all um just know what we're looking for then we could learn to pay attention to it and really to connect with with nature a little bit more in our everyday lives are there any um, things that you you know from being on the land so much that we could pay attention to in our everyday lives that maybe aren't as nature-based? 
I think it is that coming back to that idea of readying yourself and preparing yourself for the darker days. So I think that that is what I see nature doing. So, for instance, we've got robins who are starting to um, already work out their territories for the next spring. They're beginning to sort of establish themselves at the end of the summer. You know, the fledglings have gone they're kind of, you know, the light is still warm enough to them to think that they might be able to breed. They won't breed, but they're kind of pretending. They're all <laughs> making a lot of noise about it and sort of staking their territories. The blackbirds are doing the same. I suppose it's about saying, you know, we've come out of that, that time, we're starting to go into a new phase and we need to remember to prepare for winter, I suppose. It's about laying down things it's about preserving the warmth of the summer in ways that, that we we can sustain ourselves through the really dark dark winter to come it's a really wonderful time it's uh, it's the excitement of summer is over and the darkness of winter is not yet there and therefore you've got this wonderful period where you can really you have some warm days you have some cold days you have some warm mornings some cold mornings and it's just about us adjusting and adapting ourselves to something going forward so a real time of transition and kind of man managing those transitions within ourselves I suppose and the land as well I think so I think it's about just knowing that unless you prepare unless you look after yourself now Mm. It's, unless you start to think about what you know not not to preempt winter but to at least um start to um notice the light getting less to start to noticing that the, the short days are shortening so it doesn't feel a real shock you know in the middle of winter when it's four o'clock and it's dark and you're thinking oh when did how did that happen it's about allowing yourself to go with the season and to observe it and to allow yourself to transition slowly um, this is a you know a slow time if you like and what does um what does the work on the land what does the work on the farm look like for the coming season what what will you be doing on the land reseeding um bits of grass that have been worn out um it's a really fantastic time for growing grass and lots of farmers will be growing um their winter putting in their winter barley and winter wheat at this time because it's a time where you you get ahead if you wait to the spring it could be wet i mean lots of farmers missed out on wheat and barley this year because they didn't manage to get because it was such a wet spring they weren't able to get their crops in so if you get them I mean, in the winter you're more likely to get a good crop the following year and for us that's grass so we will you can either seed grass in the spring or in the autumn but in the autumn you've got a really good chance of getting going before the winter so we'll do that um we're doing jobs like the fencing we're, we're kind of we're getting ready for the wet and the and the cold if you like um we'll start we'll start to bring the cows in in about october november november to give them somewhere warm to be um prepare the barns um it's all about l looking forward and thinking um getting ready for the next for, for winter i suppose it is that transition into winter 
Okay, thank you so much. And then lastly, we're just wondering if you have a favourite seasonal recipe for this time of year. How do you really make the most of the produce that's available in this country? And if you're willing to maybe share that with us, which we'll also link to via the website in text form. But we'd love to hear a bit about it if you have some. Okay, I have got a really wonderful recipe, which is um, the wonderful Dorset apple cake. There's a particular apple that we use, which is called James Greaves which is a really lovely apple um the wasps particularly like it so you have to grab it while you can (laughs) and um it's always ready in the sort of last week of august first week of september and going into into the middle of september and it's a a cooker and an eater and it's particularly good for tarts and apple pies and for um cake so it's a really fantastic recipe it's very simple it's wholemeal self-raising flour it's sugar it's a bit of nutmeg and allspice and um and lots of diced apple and cooked slowly uh, in the oven. It's the most delicious warm with ice cream or just as a lovely cake. So it's my definitely my seasonal recipe. That sounds amazing. And yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll make sure that we link to that um, yeah. in the show notes so people can find that and create it for themselves. So thank you so much. And um, just good luck on, on the land as it gets colder and wetter and darker and enjoy this period of transition. Thank you very much indeed. Welcome to part three of the podcast. During this part, we look at the cultures and traditions at this time of year and what they might show us about what's happening inside and outside. Greek mythology tells of Demeter, the goddess of grain, whose daughter Persephone was stolen away by Hades to the underworld. Demeter's grief at her loss was so great that it caused the crops to die and the land to lie dormant until spring, because by the time Persephone was rescued, she had already eaten six pomegranate seeds and was therefore doomed to spend the next six months confined to the underworld. The modern pagan harvest celebration, Mabon, is named after a character from Welsh mythology who was also stolen away from his mother. His full name, Mabon ap Motron, translates from the Celtic root words for son and mother. So stories of loss and letting go, the life that is grown during the summer and sleeps in the winter. The Christian festival of Michaelmas sometimes falls on September 29th and it's also known as the Feast of the Archangels. It honours the Archangel Michael who in the book of Revelation defeated Satan. And in British folklore this is the last day that blackberries can be eaten apparently because when Satan fell from heaven defeated he landed on a prickly blackberry bush which he spat and urinated on in his fury. Also around the time of the equinox, uh, starting on September the 18th this year, is Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, which celebrates the life of the universe. It's traditional to start the Rosh Hashanah feast with apples dipped in honey to welcome in a sweet new year and to eat pomegranates so that merits may be many like its seeds. Yom Kippur, the Jewish Day of Atonement, falls 10 days after Rosh Hashanah on September the 28th. 
known as the Sabbath of Sabbaths, it's a day of fasting, prayer and meditation. These high holy days, a time of remembrance and repentance when individual and collective forgiveness can be achieved. Here's my auntie Lissy, the sister of my father, a professor of Jewish theology, modern Jewish thought and feminism, with some words about this time of year. Towards the end of summer, in the 29 days between August and September, comes the Jewish month of Elul, a word that in Hebrew is associated with searching and love. This is a month for asking or searching ourselves, saying, who am I? Where am I? How are my relationships doing? Relationships with our friends, family and colleagues and with the natural world, with God, the origin and ground of all our relationships. So although people tend to think of Elul as a time of repentance, that's the classical understanding, that's really just a word that means turning around, turning back, restoring relationship. That's really what repentance means for Jews and Christians, actually. According to the great Jewish mystical text, the Zohar, during the month of Elul, God and the world are panim el panim, face to face, not as we usually are, accor el accor, back to back. To use the analogy of the 18th century Rabbi Shnur Zalman of Liadi, in Elul, God has come out, as it were, from behind the palace walls. The king is in the field. To use other words, in this month, the distances set by hierarchical power cosmic and mundane, should give way to presence. We're all together. God in this month is alongside us, accessible to all, working like a farm labourer to bring in the harvest, like the wind rustling through the tall, late summer grass. And all then is the moment when we too are bidden to come out from our state of withdrawal and estrangement and be present, face-to-face -face with, accessible to all human or natural need we may have spent the year turning away from. I think that the word sin is really only a disagreeable word for the rupture or damage we do to our relationship with the world by treating it not as a makor hayim, a source of life, but as a source of personal profit. As I understand it, to sin is to treat God's world as a market, as a resource or as a servant to our project. It's a failure of love. We see this dereliction of love in populist politics today, as with the Trump administration now opening up one of America's last great wildernesses for fossil fuel drilling, destroying a pristine habitat for polar bears, elks and caribou, and potentially warming the planet beyond habitability, destroying, that is, the web of life simply for the sake of profit. Looking forward to Yom Kippur for Jews, it all gives personal and political time to repent the sins of lovelessness. That is to seek to at one or atone our relationships, restoring them and us to our unity and therefore our equality in love in God. We look to mend our relationship with all living things as a way of mending our relationship with God, the matrix of all life.
Teshuva, then, repentance, is a process of turning round or back. It's far more than about just totting up on the back of a figurative envelope all the things we've done since last year that we need to apologise for or try not to do again. It must also have a communal, environmental, political dimension if it is to be truly and fully redemptive. Teshuva, repentance, isn't easy at the best of times and certainly not during a pandemic. When almost all of our active practical relationships are on some kind of pause, suspended for some open-ended duration by COVID, how, we might ask, can we enter into this face-to-face relationship that is Elul? How can we overcome our estrangements when we're still, through this month, going to be living back-to-back at a COVID-safe distance from one another? When the face we greet is too often only a small, muted image, an electronic miniature of a face that we can zoom in and out of? The Talmud famously tells us that each Jew is responsible for all the rest, For modern Jews, that means that each of us is responsible, not just for our fellow Jews, but also for the rest of the world. But again, how, from the isolation of whatever walled space we might find ourselves, can we still be present to what A.J. Heschel called, I quote, the immense silent agony of the plundered world? Well, life post-COVID is different for everyone. Many people's lives have been economically, psychologically and physically devastated by it. Some people's lives have gone on pause, but without significant alteration. And some have even benefited from the situation. All that I can say is that during the month of Elul and on through the high holy days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we're asked by God, where are you? Where have you gone? And even to answer with the great Hebrew hineni, that is, I'm here, is especially important during a pandemic. Um, It's a way of saying to God and the world, my back isn't turned from you. I'm not looking down at you. I am ready, if not now, then soon, to live in a just and equitable relationship with you. With messages of the coming winter written on the falling leaves that form a crunchy carpet covering the summer growth, here is a rare moment of equal darkness and light. Preparing for winter in a world that appeared to change more than usual this spring, many of us may be wondering how dark the days might be. Normally, by this time of year, I'd expect to feel exhausted from a season of incessant activity and action, but this summer was, in so many ways, unrecognisable. The stillness and quiet sometimes felt confusing, paradoxical, and at odds with the long, productive days of the land outside. With less distraction, I found myself giving that more attention, the sounds and sights of what was happening where I was, rather than what I was making happen. During the long, quiet early summer days in the garden, flowers were still busy opening, welcoming the insects who, focused solely on the task of pollinating, paid no attention to the pandemic. It was nature as usual, reliably impermanent, a marker for the passing of time, as inevitable as life and death, 
giving me all the more reason to bask in its beauty. Normally, autumn would emerge from a sleepy end-of-summer haze seen through eyes glazed in the golden-orange light of the long August and September days as I start to panic in the face of a looming winter and scramble to find some kind of balanced ground where I can wait out the frost somewhere warm. This year, though, my feet didn't get much of a chance to leave the ground as such and even once they were less restricted, I felt no rush. As the earth tilts on its axes to face the sun and we face the unknown, the future, from a less familiar angle, with as much uncertainty as ever, but less escape, and yet experience the same warmth and windiness, rain and shine, abundance and endings, celebrating what we have now because it will pass and everything that changes as it does. The trees, like us, are letting go of their summer leaves to save energy for the cold days ahead, so new seeds will spring forth in six months or so. As Maria Popova describes autumn, between its falling leaves and fading light, it is not a movement toward gain or loss, but an invitation to attentive stillness and absolute presence, reminding us to cherish the beauty of life, not despite its perishability, but precisely because of it, because the impermanence of things, of seasons and lifetimes and galaxies and loves, is what confers preciousness and sweetness upon them. Thank you for listening to the Balanced Garden Podcast, which is independently produced by me, Tiger Lily Raphael, and me, Jasmine Pradhan. The soundtrack comes from the Manasseh Meets Praise LP, produced by my father, Nick Manasseh, and licensed by Roots Garden Records. For links to the music and to find photos of Auntie Lissy, Uncle Tom, and his apple cake recipe, as well as other sources, head to the blogcast at balancegarden.co.uk where you can also subscribe to the mailing list and receive an email when the next podcast is out in a couple of weeks' time. Until then, live well and enjoy. Growing together, cultivating the spaces between us. Balanced Garden is a well-living platform that bridges the world inside and outside. We offer ideas for reflections, recipes and practices through a podcast, blog, yoga and workshops that support healthy relationships with ourselves, each other, nature and all the spaces in between.